Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmasters, Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no-nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at Seedmaster.ca. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today, Agriculture Canada unveils a new tool to help remove the guesswork out of crop yields. Changing habits and grocery food fees come under fire. Real Agriculture discusses rural communities and their future. Farm groups express concern about regulations at the Pest Management Regulatory Agency. And the wheat growers discuss this week's provincial election and farm issues. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by JGL Commodities, proudly serving Saskatchewan agribusinesses for over 40 years. Looking to market your grain? Call JGL Commodities Today, 306-624-2378. Agriculture Canada has launched a new internet tool to help farmers take the guesswork out of crop yields. The manager of National Agroclimate Information Services for Agriculture Canada, Catherine Champagne, says the user-friendly web tool uses data from interactive maps to provide crop yield estimates, which are adjusted during the growing season. One of the inspirations for it is that we, uh, within our science branch at Agriculture Canada, have a lot of, of data on things that affect crop yields, and we also do crop yield forecasts. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to do was to bring all of those pieces of information. So our, our crop yield forecasts that are based on, on weather and satellite data and uh, historical crop yields from Statistics Canada and a lot of the things that we, we produce or, or data sources that we get from, from places like Environment Canada on how much precipitation, how many heat units there have been, what is the drought status, uh, we'd like to integrate information on pests and, and that sort of thing. And we just bring it all together in one place so that people can uh, look at the forecast, look at the historical yield for the, the area that they live in, and look at all these other pieces of information to see, okay, well, this is what my expected yields are and what are the things that are really driving um, the yield that year. So is it too dry? Is it too wet? Is it too hot? Um, and what? And how do those compare to uh, what we've seen in the past? It's a web application that, that brings together all these different pieces of information so that people can sort of interactively uh, explore the conditions in their region. So how does a farmer benefit from this? I think farmers 
consumers will benefit because they'll be able to, to get all this piece of information in one place. So right now, if you wanted to uh, look at what the, the yields of a specific crop were, you have to go and download that from a database somewhere, and then you can have to get the weather data from somewhere else, and you have to get things on drought from somewhere else. Um, and it also has forecasts, um, which is uh, something that uh, are hard to find somewhere else. So it will sort of give, you know, we often get the question when there's there's bad weather that may be affecting farming. Well, how do we expect this is going to impact the yields at the end of the season? And what we've done is we've built a model that tries to predict how that will impact yields. Um, so I think it'll help people make decisions by knowing, you know, what is the magnitude of these events compared to things that have happened in the past? And how do we expect that it's going to affect the yield based on how we've modeled yields in past seasons? So you see it as a tool for crop production, looking at past crop production and how to improve crop production? Well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scientific model, so it doesn't really give advice on how to improve uh, crop production, but it, it gives you all of the data about what's impacting crop production, so it allows people to look at it and see, for the particular region that they live in, what are the factors that are driving yield in that particular year or we're driving production in that particular year? And is this going to be a better year than average? Is it going to be a worse year than average? How does it compare? Um, and I think it helps people prepare in the case of weather uncertainty. How does a farmer access this new web tool? Well, you can link to it <laughs> from our Agriculture Canada website. It's called Crop Metrics. So you can access the Crop Metrics tool at www.agr.gc.ca slash atlas slash crop metrics. Catherine Champagne is the manager of National Agroclimate Information Services for Agriculture Canada. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. The head of Canada's second largest grocery store chain says it's time the industry had a code of conduct. Michael Medline with Empire, which owns both Sobeys and Safeway, has been very critical of fees announced by Walmart and also Loblaw that he says are damaging manufacturers, hurting farmers, and threatening to drive up prices for consumers. The two companies say the fees are being implemented in part to help pay for additional infrastructure that's needed for the growing food delivery services. That's certainly become a priority over the past number of months as a result of the pandemic and is showing no sign of letting up. But in an interview with the Empire Club of Canada, Medline heavily criticized both companies, saying there's no justification for these fees. Look, this is the worst relationship I've ever seen in my couple of decades in retail. Um, I was in hard goods or general merchandise, uh, Canadian Tire, Sportcheck and Marks. I, uh, and, and in soft goods. And I wasn't used to coming into grocery and seeing the kind of um, relationship that went on between supplier partners and uh, the retailers. And, it, I, and I didn't think it was healthy, and I'm, I'm, I've been quite clear in the past that I don't think it's healthy. Some of the practices, like the ones you just mentioned that have been in the news uh, right now, are, for me, hard to believe and, and, and repugnant, actually. And taken to the extreme, uh, some of these behaviors are just plain bad for Canada. And that's our view at Empire. They're bad for the consumer goods companies and for clear reasons. Um, they, they feel bullied, doesn't seem fair. That in turn hurts our farmers who we have to take care of. Um, it's not good for small mom and pop um, uh, food retailers. How can they compete with that? 
it's it's terrible for consumers when things like this happen because the fear is that it's going to raise prices for consumers, which we've been resisting uh, with all our might. And it's even unfair. Well, don't cry for us, but it's even unfair to large grocers like us who try to play by the rules, who try to play fairly and want a good supply, uh, food supply chain. You know, um, when this doesn't work, and, can, and, in, and often can, it doesn't work, it discourages innovation um, in terms of products. Um, it hollows out our country in terms of head offices for CPG companies and jobs. Um, and it's just not- Michael, ultimately, where does that leave Sobeys? What is your position? Will you follow suit? Um, good question, and we've been talking about it a lot. And, um, and I think I owe you an answer, which is that uh, no, we won't follow suit. Um, um, we negotiate and communicate and discuss things um, with our partners, the supplier partners. This industry, as I just said, depends on that. Um, sometimes the supplier partners aren't going to like what they hear. Sometimes we won't. But um, across the board, uh, goring of each other, it does not work. And so we will, we will take care of our, ourselves and we'll take care of our shareholders, but we'll do it in the right way. That's Michael Medline, the president of Empire Foods. The professor of food policy at Dalhousie weighed in on this issue this week. Dr. Sylvain Chalabois says for years, grocery giants have made justifications for all kinds of price increases, but he says this time it's simply about e-commerce and a growing appetite for food deliveries. He says Loblaw went so far as to say it was protecting consumers from higher food prices by implementing new fees. But Chalabois agrees with Medline in that the cost of these measures is an increasingly weakened food manufacturing sector and lost jobs due to plant closures. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. And I'm joined right now by Carrie Tate. She's with the Global Mail. She wrote a fantastic piece here in the last couple of days. Disappearing towns, Alberta municipalities struggling with crumbling infrastructure meager finances. This is an issue in Alberta, but I think there's some similarities in other parts of the country as well. From an Alberta perspective, what's going on financially in some of these Alberta small towns? Well, what we're seeing in Alberta is a culmination of years of neglect in rural communities where Alberta had this veneer of prosperity, but it wasn't always so in uh, all the rural communities. The Urbans were doing very, very well. And when the province was rich, it could throw money at the rural communities and kind of mask over any problems. Now that's not happening and we're seeing the cracks. And what we're seeing is massive infrastructure deficits, shrinking tax bases because people are moving away and towns having to literally vote whether or not they should exist anymore. Wow. So you, you use an example of the town of Manning, which is in northern Alberta, a small population. They they have a total. They had an engineering study done, two hundred nine infrastructure projects with a collective price tag of twenty million dollars. That that that's like the infrastructure budget of like the city of Calgary. What, what's going on here? 
Yeah, they're not going to be able to afford that. So that's sort of the reflection of what happens when you don't have a plan. And that's a problem that's um, across rural Canada. Municipalities tend not to have an infrastructure plan. They don't even know how many pieces of infrastructure they have. You know, the bridges, the sidewalks, the culverts that may be resting out. Or if they do know all that, maybe not a plan of they have to invest X number of dollars in five years. And before you know it, you're overwhelmed and you have an engineering firm come in because you have no idea where you're at and your project list is $20 million. Now, the good news for Manning is they actually thought it was going to be 30. <laughs> so they took $20 million as good news. <laughs> well, you can't, you got to look at things positively sometimes. So does all this really begin, like you mentioned some of the, the good times of Alberta and how this was sort of masked, but Across the country, I think a lot of small towns are really struggling with how to maintain that population. You know, never mind trying to increase it, but that that's a really a real challenge. If you don't have the population, you don't have the tax base. There is sort of a vicious circle here. It's true. There's just nothing you can do about it because you can't keep raising taxes because that does further push people away. As you said, it's just a vicious circle. In the in the story, municipalities such as Manning are shedding residents and are and are often burdened with infrastructure deficits, making dissolution attractive. But the adjacent rural municipalities that would absorb them may have neither the financial firepower nor the will to fill the gaps. So it's not like some of these small towns are up against you know bustling maybe mid-sized cities or mid you know even a little bit bigger small towns. Uh, there, this is a struggle across the board. Well, absolutely. And in, in Manning, and you'd see that in other jurisdictions in the country, the neighboring municipality uh, contributes to Manning's infrastructure. It receives money from its neighbors, the one that would absorb them. So it's not like it's completely hung out to dry and it creates the problem. Okay, I don't have the money. I dissolve. I fold. Great. Where are you going to go? So based on some of the feedback you got on the article, what are some of the solutions that are being suggested that you're hearing from some of the the readership or people that, that contacted you? Well, this one's tricky, the solution, because sometimes there is just no good solution, right? If Manning folded, what would happen was it would, it's, council would dissolve and it would end up with something like two representatives on the, um, you know, the rural municipality around it. So it wouldn't have the same um, voice, but all that would happen would, would be that the province would give the surrounding uh, municipality an extra $1 million to help, you know, fund the, the gaps, or maybe they would sell assets. Maybe they would have get to sell, sell the town hall because, um, the community might have a bit, you know, an office, but that's not enough to fill those gaps. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Um. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather, mainly cloudy sky, 30% chance of flurries turning to 30% chance of rain showers this afternoon. The high today, plus 4. The wind, 15 kilometers per hour, and the low, minus 4. 
Friday, partly cloudy. Wind south 40, gusting to 60. The high plus 9 tomorrow, the low minus 1. Saturday, clearing sky. Windy, high plus 1, the low minus 7. Sunday, sunny, the high plus 8, the low 0. Monday, sunny, the high 14, the low plus 2. Tuesday, sunny, the high 16, the low plus 2. Wednesday, sunny, the high near 13. Normal high is plus 5, the normal low is minus 7. The sun rose at 745 this morning. It sets at 540 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, swift current at 6.5 degrees. The cold spot, Collins Bay up north at minus 8. Estevan is plus two. Saskatoon also plus two. Swift Current, once again, is the hot spot at 6.5 degrees, rounded up to 7 degrees. Weyburn plus one. Yorkton minus two. In Regina with cloudy skies, it's plus one. That's 34 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southeast at 17. Humidity is 92%. The barometer dropping 101.7. Cloudy and Moose Jaw plus two. Winds are from the southeast at 17. Once again, Regina, cloudy and plus one. That's 34 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Several farm organizations are expressing concern about a new proposal coming from the Pest Management Regulatory Agency of Health Canada. The PMRA is proposing a change to tank mix labeling rules that's raising some red flags. Harvey Brooks is the general manager of the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Up until this point, the PMRA has uh, basically allowed producers to uh, mix uh, chemicals in the same tank when they're going out to spray their fields even though there's uh, no tank mix on the label, as long as they follow the label instructions for each chemical that they're using. That has stood the test of time. That's been uh, uh, essentially how farmers have been regulated for the last 10 years or so. Now there's a, a suggestion and a proposal put forward that each individual tank mix, if it's not specifically included on a label, uh, would not be considered uh, allowable. So that really creates some issues because when producers are, in fact, making multiple uh, applications of chemicals on their crops, they're doing it in a, in a fashion that needs to be timely. They don't want to go over the field too many times. So I've, you know, and it's a cost uh, issue as well. We don't think that the proposed change is driven by any safety issue. Uh, we do support the mandate of the uh, PMRA to ensure protection of both human health and the environment. But if there's no safety or environmental concern driving this, then we do think that this uh, should really have a lot more consultation and timelines attached to this to make sure if there are concerns, we can address them in a way that doesn't have undue consequences for our grain producers. Brooks says farm groups are unsure what happens next. I think that's the fear, that uh, without uh, a solid understanding of the timelines and the processes being undertaken, we want to make sure that decisions aren't made without uh, the PMRA fully understanding what the implications are for producers, and therefore uh, they will uh, allow more time 
and allow an ability for uh, alternate ways of achieving the same thing can be brought forward. So uh, we do think that this kind of goes against, uh, you know, other issues that they're working on and other directives they're working on to remove undue regulation in the industry. And uh, we know that the PMRA is already uh, a bit burdened with uh, the workload that they have to address. So this, this certainly isn't going to uh, ease that. So uh, we really think that, you know, the time now is to really understand uh, that this would have pretty severe negative consequences to producers if done in a quick fashion. And we need to sit down and uh, have a discussion about, you know, whether this is really necessary. Is it red tape or beyond that? So I really think we need to have that conversation with them. This uh, was put on the uh, agenda, I guess, without a lot of industry input. And uh, we need to have that input at this point in time. Sask Wheat and other farm groups have written a letter about the issue. Absolutely. It's very important to get uh, get on the record as to what this would mean for producers and make sure that uh, they understand that uh, this would have a pretty negative consequences from a number of perspectives, uh, economic, agronomic, environmental, all those things that uh, you know are not necessarily intended by the proposal. The next step is to see what response is forthcoming. We will wait for a certain amount of time and then we'll we'll push and make sure we get a response. Harvey Brooks is the general manager of the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. He's concerned about a PMRA proposal on tank mix labeling, with many producer organizations also raising concerns. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And the Remax Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel de Corby and Graham Toth. Online at landforsalesask.ca. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association is congratulating the Saskatchewan Party for winning re-election in Monday's provincial election. Saskatchewan Director Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel says she expected the party to retain power amid strong support in rural areas. Agriculture Minister David Merritt was easily re-elected on Monday. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of great things to say about about Mr. Merritt and his knowledge of the agriculture industry. He just has such a strong background in agriculture, and he brought that forth as minister. And I really appreciated the, the increase in our in our relationship as an association through COVID. He held numerous meetings and regularly scheduled conference calls to make sure that our industry and our sector was being heard on any issues as they related specific to the pandemic. And then on those calls, we were afforded a lot of opportunities just to share with them, you know, harvest pressures or in-season pressures and extra things that were happened to be weighing on our minds at the time. So if, if anything, I think we have an even stronger relationship with our provincial ag minister, and he's just done a, a great job to ensure that, that our voices are heard. So wouldn't be surprised to see him continuing on in that role. I think there's a lot of support there for him. Nagel says the Saskatchewan government must continue to support international trade. She says the province also must continue to oppose the federal carbon tax. Yeah, you know what? Uh, carbon pricing has been brought down on us federally, but provincially uh, I've seen a lot of movement and a lot of support to refer kind of a made in Saskatchewan plan. And I'm, I'm certainly in favor of uh, our, our 
provincial delegates, you know, stepping up in support of what we can do as a province, uh, as opposed to just taking what's coming from the feds. Nagel says transportation issues and rural broadband also remain key farm issues. She was disappointed to see voter turnout below 50%, but says COVID-19 was a factor this year. Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel is a Saskatchewan director and past president with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call one 800 284 9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia, and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices at Viterra were showing upward movement in early trading this morning. Canola rose 60 cents at 484.77. Number one red spring wheat gained 39 cents at 234.35. The rest were unchanged. Durham 279.25. Feed barley 209.72, flax 653.92, oats 190.53, yellow peas 302.89, feed wheat 183.72. Minneapolis spring wheat December futures rose two cents at five dollars fifty four cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now the latest livestock quotations. Good afternoon. This is a Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of October 28th sale. A large run here yesterday, 33.50 in the short, 270 cows and bulls. Over 3,600 head went through the ring. Cows and bulls selling pretty much steady with last week, but the bulls are maybe just a touch lower. D1, D2 cows, 63 to 70, sales to 71, 72 on the good kind. D3 cows, 52 to 62, cows are averaging 65 cents. Good bulls, 88 to 98, sales to 101, 102, the bulls are averaging 91.50. On to the pre-sort sale, we were featuring the Semital breed, lesson up. Some highlights on the steer side. 500 pound exotic steers, 223. 570 pound exotic steers, 204. 640-pound exotic steers. There was 125 head in this group. They topped out at 188. My favorite pen, 710-pound exotic steers. There was 122 head in this group. They topped out at 182. 780-pound exotic steers at 178. On to the heifer side, 420-pound exotic heifers, 191. 500-pounders, 175. 550-pound exotic heifers, 170. 640-pound exotic heifers, 162. 710-pound exotic heifers at 155. We had some open yearling heifers here, 1,100 pounds. They topped out at 147.50. My highlight of the day was two groups here, 25 red Angus steers at 400 pounds at 250, and 76 tan steers at 640 pounds at 192 and a quarter. Next week, November the 4th sale featuring Angus influence sale, but all breeds are welcome. First bred cow sale is Friday, November 6th. Some dispersals coming in, taking calls for that sale. Last Friday, we had a sheep lamb goat sale, 1,500 head for that sale. What a sale that was. Listen up. Lambs, 60 to 80 pounds, 240 to 274. 80 to 100 pound lambs, 240 to 250. Ewes, 125 to 148. We had some kid goats here. 
60 to 90 pounders, $165 to $215 a piece. And over 90 pound goats were $230 to $257 a piece. Nanny goats, $195 to $252 a piece. So we have been busy here. It uh, keeps us out of trouble. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 6,200 hogs Wednesday, selling a range of 177 to 198 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,700 head, selling a range of 177 to 188 per CKG. Ham's number one sales this week are selling a range of 25 to 30 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is down, and four contract prices opened lower this morning. On Wednesday, the Canadian dollar was down 79 basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.3302. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 74.69 cents U.S. Daily U.S. cash markets are all lower, with Western Corn Belt down 85 cents, National 80 cents lower, and the National Cut-Up Adjusted Reference Price down $3.86 U.S. 100 weight. U.S. base prices with a distinct cutout component are much lower due to weakness surfacing the value of the carcass. Yesterday's National Daily Hog and Pork Summary revealed ribs and bellies were down by double digits. Bellies were particularly hard hit with a whopping $22.31 a hundredweight drop on the day. Lean hog futures are likewise lower, and this morning's weekly export sales report is, in part, responsible for the pressure. While physical deliveries remain at levels seen since the end of May, new net sales have been sorely lacking over the past three reports. Exports need to remain strong for present values to hold, and the net sales number in this morning's report is simply not high enough for sustaining optimistic futures values. China only committed to 2,500 metric tons for their reporting period, a far cry from the 29,000 metric tons seen four weeks ago, and what is likely needed from them to provide rationale to move futures higher. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca. Today is the fourth day for the Clean Farms drop-off of unwanted farm pesticides and livestock medications. There are 20 locations across southern Saskatchewan this week, but each one is open only one specific day. There is no charge to farmers to drop off the obsolete farm pesticides or livestock medications. Today, the drop-off locations are Richardson Pioneer in Estevan, Synergy Ag in Louvan, Co-op in Shonovan, and Richardson Pioneer in South Davidson. Tomorrow, the final day, the drop-off locations are Ceylon Pulses Ag in Ceylon, Richardson Pioneer in Cornac, Synergy Ag in Lumsden, and Pioneer Co-op in Swift Current. Tributes have been pouring in over the past day after word that former Alberta Vegreville Tory MP Don Mazankowski has died. He served in government for more than 20 years in a number of portfolios, including federal agriculture minister and also for a time the deputy prime minister under Brian Mulroney. Mazankowski was 85. On the markets, gains in the financial sector helped lead Canada's main stock index higher in late morning trading after sinking to more than three-month low on Wednesday, while U.S. stock markets also climbed. The TSX Composite Index was up 138 points at 15,724. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 113 points at 26,633. The Canadian dollar traded at 74.96 cents U.S. compared with 75.18 cents 
on Wednesday. The December crude oil contract was down $1.34 at $36.05 per barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good fire. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.